welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Kehindo Matene of Kehindo. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Allison. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you said my name is Kahindo Matene, and I'm the designer and founder of my namesake brand, Kahindo, which is an ethical fashion brand um, based in New York. And it's inspired by my Congolese heritage and African upbringing. Wonderful. And your designs are beautiful. Thank you Um, so much. Yeah. So what kind of brought you into fashion? Like, do you have kind of a formal background in fashion or what brought you to this industry? Yeah. So initially I didn't have a formal background in fashion, um, but I was a fashion enthusiast and loved it so much that I decided to go back to school, get a fashion design degree and start my own fashion brand, which sounds kind of crazy, but <laughs> um, literally that's what happened. Um, so because I wanted, I think, to learn everything um, I knew about it. Um, I love like learning and educating myself. And I knew there would also be a time where I would have to do everything by myself, which ended up happening. So I just wanted mm. to be well-informed in what I was doing. Yeah, that makes sense. So what were you doing before you went back to school for fashion? So I had um, studied international business and economics in college um, and ended up doing marketing. And um, I actually ended up working at a tool manufacturing company in the marketing (laughs) department and I hated it. So yeah, so that's actually when I decided I was living in Chicago at the time and decided to go back to school. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet though the economics and business and marketing experience definitely helped when you started your brand. So you went back to school and you got a fashion degree at that point? Yes, I got a fashion uh, bachelor's of um, fine arts in fashion design. Nice. In in Chicago or? Yes, in Chicago at the Illinois Institute of Art in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Nice. I visited the um, museum there, art museum. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was a Uh, great city. What? Chicago is a great city. Mm -hmm. I used to live kind of near Chicago, so (laughs) I'm familiar. Yeah. Nice. So you went to school and you, you knew at that point, like, this is to start your brand. That's what your goal was. Um, yeah. Why did you always know that you wanted to start your own business or was that something where you're just like, I'm creative and I I'm going back to school for this and I want, you know, did you just kind of fall into doing your own thing rather than getting a job as a designer for a different company? Yeah, I think I mean, for sure, I always wanted to be, like even growing up, I always said I want to be a businesswoman. (laughs) Um, So that was always part of the plan. I just didn't know how I would become a businesswoman. And then when I, you know, went into fashion, 
um, when I or when I decided to go back and get a fashion design degree, I definitely saw that as an opportunity to start my own brand. And I think it was because I didn't see um, what I wanted and what I craved in the marketplace initially, um, mm-hmm. which was, you know, African inspired fashion that was modern um, and that you could wear every day. And, you know, that really reflected my heritage, but I was living in Chicago at that time. So I wanted something, you know, that I could wear every day and I didn't see that. And I used to go back home to Congo and um, which is kind of part of um, the culture where you'd go, you know, for special occasions, you go pick fabric from the market, then take it to a local tailor, they would take your measurements and you get an outfit made. So when mm-hmm. I used to do that when I was um, living in Chicago, like I think every Christmas, I would go back home and get outfits made. So I was kind of designing even before I went back mm-hmm. to school fashion. Um, and I'll, you know, tell the tailor, I want the sleeve to look like this. I want this to look like that, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then I'd come back and people would, and then I'd wear the pieces like to parties or whatever. And, you know, friends started asking me, I want one of those. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this could actually be something. And I think that kind of gave me the, you know, the courage to to really like say that I can actually start my own thing because people were liking what I was designing without actually having you know a formal background so maybe this can actually be a business and that's how I started my business that's really cool and to have the so you kind of already had the experience of you know communicating with somebody making the clothes and designing it and seeing what people like so but that was really fun. Yes, yes, it was. It was amazing that, and I think I'd always loved, you know, fabrics is and textiles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, at the core of my brand. Um, just you know, at these beautiful African print fabrics, and how can I, you know, make them modern and very wearable that you know, anyone can wear it of any ethnicity. So that has always been kind of like the DNA of my brand. And I started there, but now I kind of design my own textiles and prints. And I love that even more because it's very unique to my brand Mm -hmm. and to me, you know, so I can go to, um, I like recently, not recently, several years ago, I went to Sydney in Australia and I walked into this, museum and you know they were featuring aboriginal arts and it spoke to me because it looks very like african and Mm -hmm. but it's you know it's from the aborigines who are you know descendants of africans but living in australia and so i took kind of that inspiration and designed the print from there you know so i just love um now telling stories you know through fashion and through fabrics and textiles yeah and I can see that in your pieces they're definitely have beautiful color and pattern and silhouette um which I think is not always found in I don't know maybe it's an American thing or maybe Mm -hmm. it's you know even more kind of a sustainable or slow fashion thing where Mm -hmm. there's a lot more basics and solid colors and neutral colors and um, your work definitely has the print and pattern and, and storytelling in that. 
kind of what does your design process look like either designing the prints and but then also kind of combining them with the silhouettes yeah so I love the design process but unfortunately it's literally like five percent of what I do <laughs> I know, right? you know people think like fashion designers are here just sketching and coloring and stuff and I'm like no that's I wish it was but it's not if you want to have like a viable sustainable business mm-hmm. um so it's like I said it always starts with inspiration um and that comes in many different ways um for example my newest um you know we work what six months ahead Mm-hmm. Um, ahead of the fashion calendar so I am working on my fall winter 2023 collection and um, these you know I live in New York now and I walk I've been going to this library it's one of the biggest libraries um, in New York and you know when you're just waiting in line in you know, it's not a library it's a post office it seems like a library but it's a post <laughs> office and, you know, I go there to mail orders and stuff. And sometimes I just, or this one time, I think I've, this was the first time I've ever seen this, but I just happened to look up to the ceiling and it's this beautiful, beautiful ceiling. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. So I took pictures, like I always, I'm taking pictures of just, inspiration of things I find beautiful so I took pictures um, of the ceiling and then you know I work with a textile designer so you know sent them and I always it always has to be colorful and I love geometric patterns and that just really spoke to me so I took pictures picked like the colors that I wanted and um, you know, told them which pieces, because I also love intricate designs, and mm. designed a print inspired by the ceiling of the post office, oh, and, cool. you know, with my colors. Um, so it starts there, and then I love, you know, listening to, like, my customers. So every season, I kind of do the same silhouettes or the ones that are popular I bring Mm -hmm. those every single like I do this bomber jacket with this balloon sleeves literally I think I've been doing it for six years now every season but it looks completely different if it's like in a jacquard or if it's in um a silky like cotton or a very drapey um viscose you know so I tend to do the silhouettes that do well every season. And then I change some things up. So if it's a dress that had long sleeves for the fall, I remove the sleeves. I might put a cap sleeve on it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I also introduce like five new styles a season to test it out and see if, you know, what the reaction will be. and that's kind of my design process. You know, I really start with prints and color, the silhouettes, um, and then do these kind of like evergreen styles every season. Yeah, that's a really smart way to go about it where you've kind of built the core kind of fit and pieces for your brand, but then being able to test new styles and int- introduce new things. And then with the 
prints and patterns really makes it look different each time because that can I, I'm I'm often like drawn to print first when I see them I'm like oh I love the colors of that or the print of that and like mm -hmm. that's why I need it and kind of the silhouette is almost second in a way yeah absolutely and like I even recently most more recently started doing um solid fabrics but even when I do solid fabrics like I'm using this, um, it's like a royal blue jacquard. And from afar, it just looks solid, but then it has these like intricate lines in it. Mm -hmm. So even when I'm doing solids, um, cause I know not everyone loves prints, you know, I still, um, cause I, I love um, statement pieces. So it's either like a balloon sleeve or a cutout in the sleeve. So I know some people don't want a lot of design details. Um, so that's when I sometimes introduce like solids, but you know, the design detail is still there. And I take a lot of, I put a lot of attention to the details um, in my pieces. For example, every single piece has pockets and I, and I love, you know, doing events where, you know, women come and like pop-ups and trunk shows. Cause when they find the pockets, like their face just lights up and <laughs> I love seeing the reaction because it's the pockets are always, they're not like obvious. So they're like in the scene. So you kind of have to, and literally everyone does this when they put something on, they try something on, they, put their hands like where the pockets are supposed mm -hmm. to be and they always find the pockets so it's kind of like they weren't expecting pockets but they find them and their face lights up so I love yeah, who that who doesn't want pockets right exactly <laughs> I think every single piece of clothing should have pockets mm -hmm. yeah. me too <laughs> I've even like gotten clothes that like maybe didn't have a pocket or had you know, pants that had a fake welt pocket on the back and I put mm -hmm. an actual pocket in it because exactly. it's like it started to have a pocket and then they just didn't finish the pocket. Right. I know I don't understand those fake pockets, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm like, I don't get it. Why are you putting a fake pocket? Just put an actual pocket. So. Yeah. If you've done the work of putting a welt in, that's most right. of the difficulty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, do you have any kind of advice? I'm curious if uh, for people who are maybe, you know, they love the look of a print, but are not sure how they can pull it off or how to kind of style it for themselves. Um, how do you recommend people who are maybe a little bit shy to try prints, um, what they can do to maybe get used to it? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, um, you know, I I started off doing like a lot of dresses and then I realized your point, you know, not a lot of not everyone, you know, loves prints because a print to carry it off. You, you have to really love prints. So I started mm -hmm. doing like more separates and like jackets. And that's a great way to try out something, you know, like just like a top or short or a jacket you know so that's a way to kind of just start slowly and test it out and see if you like it but mm -hmm. um even more specifically for my brand you know I'm carried at newly which is a rental platform mm -hmm. as well as rent the runway so that is like a perfect way to try them out and see if you like it you can just rent a piece and if you don't like it, and it's also a sustainable way, right? You mm -hmm. don't have to like buy it first. So just rent it, 
try it out. And if you like it, then you're like, okay, I can do this. And you just start, that's when you can purchase something. But if you don't, you can always just return it. And, you know, you've tried it, it's, you know, and that's it, you can return it. So I would say um, renting pieces instead of buying them um, initially to try something out is a good way to go about it. That's great advice. <laughs> and that's really cool that you have um, your brand carried on Rent Runway and Newly. Um, how did those, uh, those partnerships come about? Was that something that you kind of sought out for your brand to be able to rent or yeah, how did that come about? Yeah, so it, it came about kind of organically. So with Rent the Runway was the first one. And um, actually, they picked up my brand in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. So nice. and yeah, so even though, you know, we were in a pandemic, women still wanted to look great. And I think people quickly got tired of being in their sweats. And, mm-hmm. you know, people were still in, doing Zoom and working. So they wanted like colorful pieces. Um, but I, in a, my other life, um, I was working at the runway and really mm-hmm. just um, approached the buyers there um, and pitched my brand. And my first collection was um, a, a lot of the pieces were printed on like silks and because of Rent the Runway's model, business model of, you know, a lot of the pieces, I mean, most of the pieces go through rigorous, like dry cleaning. It mm-hmm. just wasn't um, suitable. So the first collection I pitched to them, you know, they passed on it. And then the next collection, which they ended up, you know, ordering like at the end of twenty. 19 but it was for spring summer 2020 which mm-hmm. found us in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. so um but yeah so that was and then instead of printing on a silk I printed on like a poly blend fabric which is very drapey and it was one of my best selling collections and they had I think five styles which did really well and exposed my brand to you know, hundreds of women across the US, which was amazing. Um, And then newly came about because I loved that, you know, kind of sustainable business model. And I have um, uh, a salesperson here in New York and she was able to get us into newly as well, which has been amazing. Cool. And that's, that's so like, I hadn't thought of the fact that with rental platforms like the fabrication and like how to clean it and care for it it's like very specific of what they're buying um because of just how their business model works so that's super interesting how like silk they passed on but then the printed poly they're like okay this works for what we need yeah absolutely and then you know especially during the pandemic you know with um you know covid and all of that everyone was worried about that but they had, you know, the perfect solution because they do, I even visited um, their warehouse and it's such an intense, like dry cleaning process. Um, I think it goes to like three different dry clean, like systems and machines, these huge industrial machines. So, um, so something needs, will definitely be clean, you know, cause women are wearing them and you don't have to 
clean them, you just send them back. And, you know, it's part of like the membership fee that it gets, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So interesting. So and kind of back to more your designs and how, um, yeah, your process is, um, I know you mentioned how your, your pieces are inspired by African fashion and your heritage. Um, are there specific kind of signatures of African fashion or aspects of that that you enjoy bringing into your brand? Yeah, that's a great question. No one has ever asked me that question before. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just the vibrant colors um, and then a lot of, you know, traditional African prints are um, very geometric. So they'll feature different themes, um, you know, depending on the country and the culture. And then I even take it, I think, a step forward where because now I'm designing my own prints um Mm -hmm. and I you know I explain it like on my online store you know that I sometimes name like the different styles after specific like you know one collection I named the different styles after African cities and I put you know the name of this is I explain it so people are learning, you know, about mm-hmm. the different countries and cultures. I a recent collection I named the pieces after, you know, popular African names and what they mean because a lot of African names have a meaning mm-hmm. and they're very specific to the country and the culture that they come from. So I like taking it a step further and you know, it's one thing to, you know, have a print and explaining the print, but also the different styles and naming. And I'm just trying to share the beauty and um, the diversity of the African continent with the world through fashion. I love that. And is there any kind of specific region or country within Africa that you draw a lot of inspiration from? Yeah, so I'm from um, Congo, um, Democratic mm-hmm. Republic of Congo. So most of my inspiration comes from there. Um, growing up, you know, I was surrounded by Congolese music and culture and fashion. Um, so I would say most of it comes from there. But then I also lived and grew up in several different African countries. So I was born in Uganda, um, lived in Kenya. So I also tend to draw inspiration from from those cultures and countries. But even further, you know, like I love traveling. So I either, you know, one of my favorite places is Zanzibar in Tanzania. So I pull inspiration from there. So it's it's it just depends on Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, where I've been, where I've traveled to that's inspiration or walking into a post office in (laughs) by 34th street and looking up to the ceiling and so it's it's sometimes it's like random um things that inspire me but Mm -hmm. I say most of the inspiration comes from the African continent nice yeah and I feel like that's how design goes is like you can have you can go into it sometimes with a specific like story or concept that you're wanting to show in the collection but sometimes it is like this was just 
like a picture of you know like you said the ceiling of the post office but then like even that can spark something or like tie into other um references or or inspiration that you've already been gathering yeah absolutely so I'm curious what are some of the values that are important to Kahindo and how do you those affect how you run your business yeah, um, that's a great question. So my business um, is an ethical fashion business. Mm -hmm. So and what that means um, is we adhere to um, some ethical practices, you know, the pieces are all made ethically in Africa. So primarily in Kenya and in Congo. Um, and we partner up with artisans and pay them fair living wages. And it's on it's all in an effort to, you know, create sustainable jobs, um, empower women, and um, all in an effort to end poverty. So that's like my primary goal, but how do I do that? You know, mm -hmm. because ending poverty is like, could seem a little daunting because it's such a huge problem. But, mm -hmm. you know, I realize it's, it's literally, you know, by all, all people want is to have like a job and to be paid fairly and you know to be empowered so that's I figured that out and I was and literally that's what I'm doing you know so that's why I initially I you know I used to have another brand that was made in the U.S. and in China and I moved all manufacturing to Africa because um, I wanted to make a difference in the communities that raised me so mm -hmm. And literally by having my pieces made there. And it's more complicated, but <laughs> um, I think it's worth it. And, you know, just, and I know I'm making a difference because, you know, the artisans, you know, are so thankful. And you can see like the power of, you know, a woman who's empowered and is able to you know, earn enough money to support themselves and their families and take their children to school, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's huge. And it's literally through a job. And, you know, and I always say that I was lucky enough that, you know, my father had opportunities to provide me these opportunities for to a good education and all of that. So I want to play it forward by doing the same for women in Africa. That's so cool. So how did you get connected to these um, artisans and like the tailors who are making your clothes? Like were they, are, are they kind of in the community, the direct community that you like grew up in, in your city? Or um, yeah, how did you meet with them and start these, these partnerships with them? Yeah, so all of them kind of came about like, I guess, organically. So um, I've worked with three main groups of artisans. Um, one of them um, was actually my sister is the one who found, I don't know how she found them, but I think she <laughs> found them on Instagram. And um, there was a company and there, that still exists um, that works with artisans in my hometown of Goma in the Eastern part of Congo. And oh. they were making um, pajamas for 
a brand that's owned by Robin Wright. And which is, it, this sounds very random because it's like Robin Wright, who's an actress. And <laughs> she owns a pajama brand and it's being made in my hometown of Goma by artisans. So I was like, what? This is crazy. So I literally, you know, my sister told me about them. I contacted them and then I started working with them. Um, and then another group of artisans, um, you know, I'd worked or actually I'd participated. It's called Refugee and they are, are based in Kenya and they've designed a lot of some of the prints. Um, they've like hand dyed the prints and they're um, a collective that helps refugee girls and women in Kenya. And a lot of refugees are from Congo because of the, you know, the war that has been going on in Congo mm -hmm. for over, oh my God, nearly 20 years. So a lot of refugees are in Kenya. So it provides them with like jobs and just, um, just different resources to get back on their feet. Um, so I had participated, they th do this fashion show every year and had participated when I was in Chicago twice. And then, um, and then they asked me to be a judge. It's kind of like a, rent the not rent, uh, project runway inspired mm -hmm. fashion show so they asked me to be a judge on there um because of maybe my project runway experience mm -hmm. um and then i reached out to them and i asked if we could collaborate if they could design you know fabric that was used in this my actually my spring 2020 collection and then recently they've I've collaborated with them again um and then the current um, artisan group that I work with was, you know, they introduced me to this woman who works with, she owns like a, a workshop where she has about 15 tailors making pieces and um, was doing this for another brand, a Kenyan brand in the US. And then I reached out to them, I think in 2020 as well. And we've been working together ever since. So I'm always looking for, you know, artisan groups who, especially who do work that is very specific to their region. Recently, mm -hmm. um, I worked with an artisan group in Nigeria who hand dyed and designed the fabric. And it's um, the process is called Adire and it's native to Nigeria. And, you know, found this collective, I think, on Instagram, reached out to them and they did. They've done, oh gosh, I think nearly a thousand yards um, oh, wow. or more of fabric for me. So I love using like artisanal techniques specific mm -hmm. to a culture, a country. And all of this goes back, you know, to the artisans who are working there. So, yeah, that's really cool that you're able to not only draw from the you know African culture and fashion for the look of your designs but you're also like supporting those regions in the craft and the art there in making them too yes yeah and you know like all of that just creates you know one of course a beautiful story but it's it's I mean you know, I'm only one brand and I'm a small growing brand, but it's making an impact, you know, because some people mm -hmm. feel like, oh, my God, I'm too small to be making an impact. But literally, I'm an example of like 
I started very small and now, you know, like the factory, it's a small factory or workshop in Kenya. They're making about a thousand units, you know, currently for me. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's making an impact because they have to hire, you know, more people, more women in order to work there, which is creating jobs. So Mm -hmm. um, every little thing matters you know, especially on the African continents where you can make a huge impact with, I guess, a small idea. Yeah, that's so cool. So how long have you actually been in business with your brand? You've you've kind of hinted at, um, you know, kind of starting out small and then now you're growing and things have happened. So how, how many years has it been? Yeah, so my current brand I've had since we're actually going to celebrate six years in oh, um, February 3rd, which, you know, I, I even this is like the first time I'm actively going to celebrate my anniversary because I think I've just been working so hard and building mm-hmm. it. We forgot that, mm-hmm. oh my God, six years, um, which is amazing. And this is um, the Kahindo brand, which is what it is today, but it's taken um, a journey, I guess, to get to what it is today. Um, I had another brand that I started back in 2009 when I was still in Chicago. Um, and it was using, the huge difference was that it was made in um, in America and in China, and it was using traditional African print fabrics. And um, with Kahindo, it's I design all the prints and uh, all, most of the prints, and um, it's ethically made in Africa. So uh, the first brand I had, um, I kind of rebranded to what Kahindo is now, but I um, did that in 2015. So Kahindo has been around for six years in February. Cool. And congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. It feels like 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a busy six years, but finally, you know, I'm seeing my business is like really growing and expanding. So I'm I'm Mm -hmm. excited. So talk a little bit about that. Like what has the journey been like? from when you started the first business, how did that go? What made you kind of switch and rebrand? And then um, what has kind of the journey been like growing Kahindo now? It's It's been a very challenging journey. My first brand, you know, used traditional prints, African prints, which, you know, a few years ago just became kind of popular. So I think mm-hmm. maybe I was way ahead of the game. Um, I was carried in like about four small boutiques, you know, online shopping wasn't that big then, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was okay. It just wasn't growing at the rate that I wanted it to. And I think it was partly because most of the time I've had my brand, I've, I'm um, self-funded, but I've had to support it by working a full-time day job. And that's kind of how mm-hmm. I got into Rent the Runway because, um, and I've done that, my day job has been um, as an HR technology consultant, which I know sounds crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> so I've always had a full-time day job um, mm-hmm. to support my business. 
And so I think that could have been a reason why it didn't grow as fast, coupled with the fact that I think it was ahead of its time. Um, and then I just didn't have the resources to, you know, to really take it to where it was. Um, and, and it was called Modanique, which is an anagram of my name. Um, and then when I think I, when I moved to New York, oh, and then actually back when I had Modanique, I did do, um, I competed on Project Runway and I got eliminated second and I was completely like devastated mm -hmm. and thought I was a huge failure. And I was just like, and I think that moment was really pivotal in several different ways. You know, one, even though I felt devastated and like I was a failure, it really motivated me to, to like rebrand because I mm -hmm. wanted to really, you know, like I knew that this is such a good idea, but maybe I just have to change it slightly. And mm -hmm. um, those changes were one to align it with something that was bigger than just a fashion brand, you know, and which mm -hmm. was that ethical fashion. Cause I'd always wanted to give back, you know, to Congo, to Kenya, but I didn't know how to do that. And I found a way mm -hmm. to do that through my brand. Um, and then rebranded it for Modernique and Anagram. Cause I remember telling someone, yeah, Modernique is an, anagram of like my first name and my last initial and they were like but how why don't you just call it Kahendo and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> why don't I so I changed the name and then the other big parts of the whole change was you know I was based in Chicago and I think I, I was just so comfortable you know and I just wasn't taking any chances and you know I was in New York having to shoot um, you know, Project Runway, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to move here, which sounds insane. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And, and I mean, I thought I knew people in New York, but New York is a whole different piece. And I was like, I'm going to throw myself into this huge challenge. And yeah, so I moved to New York and um, started what Kahindo is now, Move Production, which took, you know, finding the right partners to make my collection, mm -hmm. shipping patterns, like paper patterns, you know, to make the pieces back and forth. You know, I tried several different countries and workshops and until I finally, you know, found two or three really that I work with now. Um, but it's still been a journey, you know, in the pandemic in 2020, I was still working like a full-time job and then I got laid off and it was mm -hmm. a blessing in disguise because I then worked full-time for two years on my business nearly three years which made a huge impact and I saw the growth so even though we were in a pandemic like my brand was just flourishing um, and it's because I did this uh, you know full-time a hundred percent and even though I worked like I never worked before, it's resulted in my business becoming profitable for the first time so, since, you know, starting it um, in 2015. 
yeah so it's it's been a journey being self-funded has been very challenging um mm-hmm. i mean even recently like last year sales were just really bad so i had to go back and you know to a full-time job just temporarily um and you know me even saying that temporarily really helps because mm-hmm. it it's challenging um having a self-funded business and but you know we're getting to a point hopefully in a couple of months that I can quit my day job and start doing this full-time again yeah that's quite the journey like you said (laughs) Um, and there's there's so many things so I want to maybe dive into a little bit more kind of the pivotal moments you talked about of like why what about being eliminated on Project Runway early on made you feel like it was a failure? Um, yeah, just because, just because I, I don't know. In my head, like Project Runway is like a whole different thing than like the actual world of fashion. Um, but yeah, I'm curious kind of what is behind that because I think a lot of designers get in the mindset of like, oh, it everything hinges on this one moment, whether it's like getting into this runway show or getting um you know getting the collection how exactly how they want it or you know meeting a financial goal or getting into a certain boutique or whatever it is and then get it feels so defeating when that doesn't happen so yeah what what about that moment made you feel that way and then how did you turn that into it seemed like instead of giving up that gave you like so much more motivation from that point on yeah I think Several things. Um, firstly, you know, that was kind of like, oh my God, I have to get into Project Runway. I, I have to. And it took several tries for me to even get on. So I think it, I had to apply three times um, mm-hmm. to get accepted. So because I think of that, I was like, oh my gosh, this this is it. This is what's going to take. And that's at that point I was, I had my other brand Modernique and it was like, I mentioned, it wasn't doing exceptionally well. And in my mind, I was like, if I get here, I'm going to win. I'm not only going to win the money, but which is going to help me, you know, with my business, but I'm going to get all this exposure and my collection is just going to sell out. And literally that's what I thought. Not really, like you, you actually said it, like it's, it's not, it's not like the fashion industry, one, pays attention to this reality (laughs) show, two, Mm -hmm. it's a reality show. And I went in very naive thinking all of these things. And then when it didn't happen, I was devastated because I was like, oh my gosh, I thought all these things would happen. I'm eliminated second. People are going to think I'm a failure because Mm. I got eliminated second. And does that mean I don't have, you know, um, skills? I can't, I'm not a good fashion designer. Like I literally put all of this on one moment and one moment that was made for reality television. And Mm. it wasn't about, and I think once I got eliminated, and then because there's a time lag, right, where mm-hmm. when you're actually shooting the show, when it gets aired. So once it aired, that's when 
all of that, all of those feelings literally disappeared because I, uh, one, watching the show and watching my season and even my elimination, you can see it had nothing to do with my fashion skills or my talents. It was mm-hmm. all about the drama that mm-hmm. they thought I would bring that I didn't bring in terms of like the drama of this sh- of the show. So, and I just felt validated because they even have this poll that says like, did they um, eliminate the right designer? And for me, it was like 90% of everyone who watched or who voted was like, no, they did not eliminate, you know? So that was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I felt like validated in a way. I was like, okay, you know, everyone can see that, that this, you know, it had nothing to do with my talents. And, and that helped me. And I was like, okay, I feel better now. Because even though I was on this huge platform, and I was eliminated, it had nothing to do with my skills. Um, mm-hmm. And I shouldn't let it, you know, really affect me how it was. So I was like, I'm going to take this seemingly negative and turn it into a positive and show them, you know, that. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. I'm be like, you know what? I'm going to be successful anyway. They're exactly. going to wish they chose me. Yeah. Exactly. And literally, it, that's exactly what it did. It motivated me. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York where I was eliminated and I'm going to show them that I can be a successful fashion designer. And that's what happened. I used that negative experience to motivate me. And I moved to New York and it was even, you know, no one tells you how tough New York is. I mean, I guess, you know, Jay-Z says, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's really, truly did motivate me. And I stuck it out. And, you know, years later, nearly six years later is when I'm really seeing the fruits of my labor and I'm about to be carried in a large, um, amazing retailer, which also I never expected because I was going, I've always wanted to be in like the Saks and the Nordstrom's and the Neiman's and this retailer. And I can't really say who it is, but I will let Mm -hmm. you know once (laughs) it's out there. Um, It's kind of, yeah, the best retailer that I could have ever hoped and prayed for. So it's like everything truly happens for a reason. And I think had it not been for being eliminated, I might not be here, you know, mm. living in New York and get, you know, being carried at Rent the Runway and at Newly and getting into this, a couple of two major retailers. So everything truly happens for a reason. You just have to be persistent and believe in yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone thought me moving to New York was insane but yeah I did it and I'm doing it I'm working on my brand and growing my brand awesome I love I love all that story and how you how you um yeah kind of turn that around and really we're like I'm gonna do this and, <laughs> and I have what it takes and, um yeah sometimes yeah. turning those what seem like ne- negatives can be really positive too yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I'm curious about kind of mentioning in your journey is 
you know, you've, you've had a full-time job and you were full-time with the brand and now you're back with the job. Um, what does kind of like do your priorities or when you're working on your brand, does your focus shift um, to different things when you were full-time with the brand versus um, working a full-time job in addition to the brand? Yeah, it's, and I realize this, it's not sustainable to do both because especially now where my brand, you know, I've been, I was doing it full-time for nearly two and a half years. And then now I'm working a full-time job on top of my brand. It's just, I'm literally always working Mm -hmm. and that's just not sustainable. Um, But I also, I'm a, I'm literally a one woman show. Granted, you know, I use a textile designer, a consultant, um, a freelancer who helps me design Mm -hmm. my prints and I have a pattern maker and, you know, everything is, um, is made in, in Kenya, the factory. So it's not like I'm sewing the pieces, but I'm still running a business and I've been doing it myself all this time. And I realized I need help. So I do have interns like social media, you know, because I'm a fashion brand, my pieces are colorful and prints focused, you know, I need Mm -hmm. to be on social media. So I have a social media intern who basically posts for me. I meet with them like once a week and we, you know, she tells me what she's going to post. I send her, you know, press and influencers who are wearing the pieces. Um, I do do a lot of like outreach to like press and influencers and things like that. But then these days with technology, I've, I discovered this um, platform called Social Cat that literally you tell them what type of influences you're looking for and they send you like every day, you know, a curated list of influencers. So it's, I think oh, cool. using technology and automating a lot of the processes um, mm-hmm. has really helped me manage, you know, even things like email newsletters, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do write those um, and, and I still do, you know, ship everything myself, but it's now I'm, you know, like I, during my lunch break, I'm shipping things, going to the post office, you know, mm-hmm. or after work, I'm shipping orders out, you know, I'm writing weekends is really, and after work, after my day job, after, literally after my nine to five, at five o'clock, I'm you know, responding to messages, um, you know, writing these newsletters and automating them. So, you know, I can write three or five newsletters in a weekend and that takes care of a whole month's newsletters and just schedule them. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently also um, hired like a virtual assistant to help me, you know, do some of these things because it's, it's a lot still, you know, I was doing this 50 hours a week and now I'm, you know, I can't manage all of it working, basically doing two jobs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then even the business side of things, you know, I recently hired a bookkeeper, you know, to do the bookkeeping. And so outsourcing a lot of kind of the repeated processes and things that require me to run my business um, has really helped because I can just outsource it and 
you know, and then work two, three hours every day and really mostly weekends and during my lunch break. Cool. And yeah, I've heard from a lot of business owners that getting help in their business with the thing, with you know, whether it's on the business side or social media or making the product or shipping or whatever it is has really helped the business grow and like mm-hmm. helped them as the founder of their business stay focused on okay what is the most important thing that they can do for the brand at that time exactly exactly it's just you know and I love technology I mean my day job I work in technology so just Mm -hmm. you know using technology to help you streamline a lot of the processes is is number one thing and Thank God for technology. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, I just switched email providers like right before Christmas break and uh, kind of re-looked at, okay, what technologies do I need? Which ones do I have? Get everything set up because it saves so much time. It truly does. And, and mental you, space. Oh my gosh, so much mental space. And then just, you know, I'm always... I think like my friends and family, because I'm always like, I love finding the new, t- like today I just found out, you know, there's an app on, I'm on Shopify um, mm-hmm. as a platform where I, you know, where I, that hosts my online store, but there's an app that helps op- optimize like SEO and product images. And I was just like, what? There's an mm-hmm. app for that. And, you know, there's an app literally for everything. For so. everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Awesome. Well, we are getting close to time, but there is one last question that I ask everybody at the end of the interview, which is if you could c- communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Um, make, I empower women not only the woman who wears my pieces through colors and prints, but the woman who makes the pieces through sustainable jobs and fair living wages. So Mm. empowerment. Yeah, I love the both sides of that is so cool that you're able to do. Awesome. Well, this has been so fun to get to hear more of your story and um, the growth that you've had over the years and kind of the whole um, yeah, just what your brand is about and what you're doing. Uh, where can people find out more about Kahindo online? Yeah, so um, on our online store, www.kahindo, K-A-H-I-N-D-O.com. And we're on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, um, all Kahindo underscore NYC, um, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the, all of the, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. We'll include links to those in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today, Kendo. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. Awesome. Have a good one. You too. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot com newsletter. 
Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.